0: be with you and to uh, lead us in this uh, you know time of, of reading the word and uh, really you know it's my hope that, that as we sit here and as we hear these things that that they'll really sink in that there'll be something that really sinks into us and, and we take with us from this place and and continue to wrestle and chew with these things as we go on into our week because that's what really matters right if we hear something it just comes in and goes out and doesn't do anything, then what's the point? Right. So Lord, we Lord, we're so humbled to be here. God, we thank you that that we have another day together. Lord, I thank you that this morning when I woke up, I woke up and I was not fearful. I didn't have to worry about if I was going to make it to the end of the day. I didn't have to think about how I was going to have food for myself or my family. Lord, it's my prayer that, that this day that I would not take those things for granted, those simple things that, that we think are just normal, that I would not take those things for granted, but Lord, that I would be present here. Lord, it's my prayer that your word would speak. We know that it is alive, that this is your word, God, so we pray that that you would speak to each and every person here. We thank you, Jesus. As more and more as we get to know you, we, we just have to thank you more. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Please open up this word to our eyes and our ears and our hearts. And Lord, it's my prayer that these things would would be planted. They would take root and begin to grow in us. I thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as you saw from the kind of video clip, you know, we are in the series of Luke. And, um, you know, I'm sorry you're going to be hearing that a lot this year because this whole year we are in a series of of going through the Gospel of Luke. And we are just going chapter by chapter, portion by portion. And and we are really, um, you know, it's just an awesome thing. Because rather than me saying, hey, you know what, I think I'd like to talk about um, joy. Let's look up all the past and let's talk about that. You know, I can just say, okay, Lord, this is the piece of Scripture that that you've given me this you know this week to to talk about what do you want to speak to me about and this week is no different. this is a a a portion of scripture that if you grew up in the church uh, or you spent some time in the word, then you've probably read it you've probably studied it it's something that is very familiar to me, and yet even this week, as I approach this, you know God just opened my eyes to you know what, I want you to see this angle of this this side of this this. You know, way that that I'm trying to teach you through this scripture and through this, uh, just a testimony of who Jesus is. So I hope that you'll all be here and engage with me. Um, so let's get into this. And 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 really, I mean, as we go through Luke, it's awesome because we get to see kind of from the start to the end, right? And the same thing with the Bible that that if you start in Genesis, I think. Uh, Most of us that try to read the Bible, right, we start in Genesis and then maybe somewhere in there it gets kind of harder. But maybe you've read Genesis a lot, so you're in a good place because that's where we're starting today. We're going to be in Genesis 3 uh, to start the morning. But, you know, from the beginning of humanity, right, from the beginning of humanity, mankind was connected to God, creator and creation, father God and son of God. God gave man purpose. He gave man work to do. Right? He made man creative and gave him authority to rule over the earth. He gave man and woman to each other for companionship, for completion. God provided for their every need. And man was made in the image of God. Woman also made in his likeness. But then the liar came right? The twister of truths, the bender of good for evil. In Genesis chapter 3, we read, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. You know, last week, Pastor Toby gave us a message about the baptism of Jesus, the genealogy of Jesus, right? This was the, the end part of Uh, Luke chapter 3. And this past week, you know, as my Life Together group, we were discussing that portion of Scripture. It was, you know, one of the things that came up was that it was cool to look at that genealogy. And if you revisit that, the genealogy, it starts with Jesus, right? It's the Son of God. It goes, Jesus, the Son of God. And it traces back, and it says, Adam, the Son of God. And so we see these, these two people that are, are, you know, said to be this is person is the son of God. And you'll see many places in Scripture there's mention of the sons of God, right? Uh, and a group of people that we ourselves have been brought into, you know, his family. We are sons. We are daughters. But this is, is specifically saying, hey, these people, they were son. they were a son of God. And so we learn that Adam, the son of God, he sins against God. He follows the lead of his wife Eve and he takes the forbidden fruit. This act of disobedience, this breaking of trust is really what it is. It separates mankind from the fellowship of God and it leaves them cast out of the garden, cursed to endure hardship in life, and they're separated from this life that was originally intended, you know, that they, they enjoyed in the beginning. And last week, Pastor Toby told us how Jesus came as our Savior, as the Messiah. He came not to get rid of the law, right, but to fulfill the law. He fulfilled these many prophecies. He completed this covenant so that we might be able to have relationship with God. And today we get to see how Jesus really models that that life in the Spirit, that life connected and empowered by God. A life that is really grounded in that very identity of i 'm a child of God right. today our our scripture portion as we continue through Luke is going to be luke four one through thirteen let 's read that luke four one Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan. This is right after he was baptized, right. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. So after 40 days of fasting, of eating nothing, When he is weak, the devil comes to Jesus to tempt him. Right? How many of you know that it's often those times when you're tired, frustrated, weak, hungry, the devil comes to tempt you? Right? How many of you guys here have have fasted for any length of time? Have gone without food, maybe without water? Yeah. You know, it's it's not easy. I mean, the first time I did that was uh, with a, a church group a, as a young person, and they have thirty-hour famine. I think it's it, it was called right, and and you try to go thirty hours with without getting caught eating your snacks and stuff like that. No, you're supposed to be fasting, right? And, and it it begins to teach us, you know, what does it mean to to hold back kind of these these normal kind of uh, bodily desires of eating and satisfying that hunger. And instead, in, in that pain of hunger, to to come before God and to pray. And as we give that up, to see, you know, as we make that space, to see how God can come into that. The most that I've gone without something is 40 days of, um, I, I went 40 days a couple, maybe a year or two ago of, I was challenged, like, kind of, should I really try a real fast of just water? And I said, man, that's crazy. And then I actually remember this when you're saying, you know, man does not live on bread alone. And I said, yeah, but what if man did live on bread alone? And so I did a 40-day bread, bread like, fast, where all I had was water and bread. And, um, and that, I thought, well, I like bread. So, you know, maybe it'll be okay, but it was hard. It was really hard, you know. And, um, and, and what I found was, was interesting as you kind of went through the stages and kind of mentally and, and it was really hard at the beginning. It got kind of easy. It got kind of hard. And, and then, you know, you start mixing things in. Like I originally started with just kind of flatbread and I, Eastern kind of section of the grocery and, and got different types of like lavash and, and pita and different things and tried to mix it up. And then by kind of the middle, I was kind of, I was struggling. So I had like some Hawaiian bread and then some <laughs> garlic bread. And I was like, oh, no, I don't feel right about this. But, um, but it was hard. You know, it was a challenge. And, and, and in that, I really felt like, you know, those times when I came before the Lord, like, man, I'm so hungry or man. I'm really struggling. Then there was a closeness. There was a closeness as I came before the Lord. And the other thing was, I didn't realize how much time in my day revolved around what I was going to eat, how I was going to get the food I was going to eat, or if I was going to make it, or go someplace, or all these things. It was a lot of time, I realized. When I was just reaching my backpack, grabbing out a piece of bread and eating it, You know, I didn't have to worry about that. Anyways, here is Jesus. He's been fasting for 40 days. That in itself is, is amazing. And then that's when the devil comes to tempt him. Right. And the devil comes and he says to him, If you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Right. Doesn't seem bad to me. It seems like that's a pretty good idea. Like, you have the power. You have the ability. You're the son of God. Why don't you just turn the stone to bread? Like, if that was me, you already know. I'd be like, let's get this bread. Like, boom, basket, right? But it was for a reason that he was brought there. He was led by the Holy Spirit. He was directed by God that, hey, you're going to spend this time to go without food. You can bet he was there praying constantly, right? And so Jesus said, no. I'm not going to do that. And that if, that if you're a son of God, you know, I, I, we have translation in the back. And English language is hard, right? It's Even for us, it's hard. I mean, and the if, that if, there's different ifs. There's different if sentences, right? So I'll give you an example. I tried to pick some names that if this is one of your names, I'm sorry. I tried to think of names that weren't here. But there's these two guys, right? There's Jim and Rick. And they're wrapping Christmas presents. Jim is struggling. He's crumbling up the paper. He can't seem to get the folds right. And Rick is laughing at him, making fun of the way his package looks. He's just saying, man, you're terrible, right? And he's telling him all the ways he's doing it wrong. And out of frustration, Jim yells at him like, hey, man, if you're so good at wrapping presents, why don't you wrap this for me? Like, show me that you're better. right? Prove it. And so Rick accepts the challenge, and he takes over for Jim, and he wraps this beautiful present with nice, clean folds. And, you know, it's amazing. He shows him, yeah, I, I do know how to wrap this present. There's another scenario. Rick is complaining to his wife, Susie, about his assistant at work. He says, man... They keep messing up. They're always late. They take extended lunch breaks, and, and when I get missed calls, they don't even tell me about these missed calls. I mean, they're, they're just, oh my gosh, and going on and on, and his wife, out of frustration, is like, you know what, I'm sick of your grumbling every day. If you're the boss, why don't you do something about it? So situation 1 that was a challenge it was it was a taunt even like hey if you can do this prove it do it right situation 2 is also a challenge but it's in a different way it's more of an affirmation of it's not a question of if you're the boss like are you the boss it's saying no because you are the boss why don't you exercise that authority and do something about it right and so i think that this first this first temptation You know, I I think that it was more that second scenario where Satan is coming to Jesus. This is the first kind of encounter right here. And, And Jesus is hungry and Satan's like, hey, man, you're the son of God, right? You were baptized. And when you were baptized and I heard God speak and he said, this is my son of whom I'm well pleased. Right. You're the son of God. Right. So you have the power. I see you're hungry. Why don't you just make these stones turn into bread? Why don't you exercise that authority you have? But Jesus responds to the temptation, to this challenge for him to to give up, to just say, yeah, you know, you're right, I could do that. And he actually responds with Scripture, right? And he says, man shall not live on bread alone. There's more to life than just satisfying my bodily desires, God's called me into the wilderness for a reason. He called me to fast. And so I trust Him that He loves me. This is my Father. He cares for me. He has a plan. And so when it's the time, He's going to tell me, go ahead, eat. He's going to provide for me. He's going to show me. Or He will even say, hey, go ahead, Jesus, make that stone turn into bread. He will direct me. And that's what I'm doing. I'm following Him, right? And I love how Jesus, he, He answers Satan as a man because it would be hard for me i mean that, of, of course it's hard for me i mean i'm, I'm just another man and, and and when i think of like if i had that power you know if i was god and satan comes and he's tempting me he's taunting me he's he's pestering me you know i think about eating food like some nice barbecue at a picnic and you got flies coming around you know rather than like trying to do i just be like man get out of here right and that's how it kind of feels like Rather than even answering, getting into dialogue, Jesus could have just been in his power like, Psh, man, get out of here. It's not the time. Like, come on, get out, get out of here. Right? But he responds with scripture. And what he responds with that, man shall not live on bread alone. You know, I think that's like, like when you really read this, you think, man, Jesus is so amazing. It's so deep. And so let's read this together. Let's read Deuteronomy 8, 2 through 9. Jesus is is quoting scripture, right? And let's read this together. It says, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known. To teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these forty years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to Him and revering Him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and figs, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. Amen. I mean, isn't that so good? You know, Jesus, he responds with this quote, knowing that, man, Satan knows this. It's powerful, right? Continuing on, we we go to verse 5, and it says that after that, the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now, what does this temptation have to do? You might point out that, yeah, it's dealing with power, right? Satan is tempting Jesus of promise, of power, of, of riches, authority over all these kingdoms of the world. And I would agree with you. I would say, you know what, you're right. And a lot of us are, are tempted, are, are, are you know, presented with these um, desires for power, for authority, and for riches. But I don't think that that's all this is about. Because we know that from Scripture, you know, all those things that Satan's saying, hey, I'm going to give you all these things, they were already Jesus's, right? They're already promised to him, right? His kingdom will go on and on. It will never end, right? That every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I mean, it's already been declared. Like Father God has said, all these things. Belong to Jesus. They're all His. Right? They're already promised to Him. But the timing, the way these things happen, I think that's something to look at. I think that some of the real temptation here is is the devil saying, Why suffer? Why wait? Why do it God's way when I have this other option? I have the authority to, to give it to you right now. All you got to do is worship me, right? And I don't think that was an empty suggestion. That was an empty offer, right? That Satan does have control. He does have authority. Otherwise, I think Jesus would have just said, man, what are you talking about? Like, that's not even yours to get, right? That's not even a temptation, right? But instead, he, he tells him, no, I'm not going to go there. And who out of you doesn't think it would be a good thing to have Jesus ruling the earth? I mean, that would be a good thing. Like, can you imagine if, uh, you know, a couple thousand years ago, Jesus took over rule of the earth? I think we would have a lot of peace. I think there would be a lot of, you know, success and joy. And and I think things would be a lot better than they are now if Jesus was ruling over all the earth. I mean, I th- we would still have that problem of, of our sin and being separated from God, you know, in eternity. But I think things on the earth would be pretty good. It would be a a pretty good situation, I think. I mean, you might even think, oh, that would be a good thing. You know, Jesus could see maybe, oh, yeah, it would be better if I started ruling now. I could save humanity from thousands of years of pain, of killing, of suffering. But I'm not going to sacrifice who I am, what I believe, so that I can receive something that's already promised to me sooner or easier. I think this is the same temptation that many of us may have, have faced. Well, I, I can say I guess I faced in school at some times was, you know, I can study, I can put in the the painful hours of of reading and learning and all that stuff, or or I can just Ask the guy that had the class period before me and say, hey, what were the answers? You know, what was on the test or what was, you know, we're presented with these situations where we know the way that God has given us and he's promised us, hey, if you follow this, I'm going to lead you towards health, towards success, towards, you know, whatever that is. But there's also this other option to kind of take an easy way. This reminds me of, of Abraham and Sarah. Last week we, we heard from Pastor Toby in the genealogy as well. You know, uh, if you read that genealogy, you know Abraham is, is one of the, the people that is mentioned, right? And and Abraham he was promised that his descendants would be just uncountable. And yet when he looked at his life, his wife was barren, they were old in age, and they just thought, impossible. How is it gonna happen? And so the bright idea comes, I wonder where that came from, right? But the bright idea comes in that, hey, you know what? Why don't we have, uh, you know, our, our, our servant, our maidservant, Hagar, and, and let's let's have a child through her, and, and we'll claim that as our descendants. And maybe that's the way we'll do it. And so Ishmael is born, and, and as that, you know, as, as his line goes on, you know, there's just consequences to that. To study for another another day but it's it's just it's mind-blowing to see what were the consequences of their action of their saying you know what we're gonna do it our own way God promised us this thing but it seems impossible it seems like it's too hard let's figure out another way to do it you know I believe many of us may be waiting on some of those promises for God you know that God has, has has promised us these things, and and we're waiting, and it just seems like it's impossible. So we, you know, I encourage you to hold on, hold on in faith, to persevere, to trust that God will be faithful. His timing's not always our timing, right? All right, let's look at the the final portion of of today's kind of passage in Luke from verse nine on through thirteen, and it says, "The devil led him." To Jerusalem. This is the, the center, right? The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. All these things happen, in the final temptation, Satan brings him up into the city, Jerusalem. He shows him, you know, like, Hey, you're on this high place. This is this important, central, religious space. Why don't you do this amazing thing? Prove if you are the Son of God. Prove that it's true. Do it here in front of all these people that are going to see. Do it here in this important place. Do it here and prove that you are the Son of God. If you really are, why don't you just do that? And here Jesus he, He He responds saying, no, I'm not going to put God to the test. You know, I believe, you know, he's really responding saying, no, you can't make me distrust God. Right. And I think how hard that must have been. Because Satan comes to him and he tempts him with scripture. Can you imagine that would scare me into learning more scripture, you know. <laughs> but this is real. This is real life. Satan is not saying, "Hey Jesus, why don't you just go kill this person?" Or why don't you? It's like, no, that's wrong. I'm not going to. He's saying, "Hey, God said in in His Word, He's going to take care of you. He won't let anything happen. You know, if you do this, His angels are going to. You know, why don't you put that to the test? Why don't you see if it's true?" Why don't you find out, are you really the Son of God? And I think Jesus says, no, I already know that I'm the Son of God. And I'm not going to break my trust with my Father to show you, to prove to you this thing, right? I think, again, if I was Jesus, I would have maybe like a more, uh, I don't know, maybe like a more kind of sharp response or kind of playful uh response and 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 i'd probably uh take what satan gave to me and i'd put it back on them and say hey bro why don't you keep reading that scripture because in psalm 91 11 through 13 it says for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone you will tread on the lion and the cobra you will trample the great lion and the serpent You know, and I might have just said, hey, keep on reading. What happens next? You know? But here's the thing. I I think that that last temptation, I think it really reveals to us um, this issue of trust and security and, and identity. Right? When we are young, when we're young, when we're children, we trust our parents. Right, given that we have, um, let's say, a, a loving home, that then we have like a blind trust. When my kids were little, I could tell them anything, and they trust me. Right? If I say, "Come here," they're, they're, oh yeah, they'd come. They'd run right up to me. Right? Now I say, "Hey, you know, come here." My daughter's here. She's laughing because she knows I'll, I'll yell her name, and she'll say, "What?" I'm like. <laughs> Me, what? Come here. I want to talk to you. You know, why? You know what? Like, right? Somewhere along the line, for some reason, maybe it was my fault. Maybe, you know, it's like, why? Because I want you to do some chores. Like, I don't want to come here for that, right? There was some, something happened in that relationship where there was this kind of skepticism. There was this kind of like, wait a minute, why? Right? And I think that happens in our, in our, in our life with God. Right? And it says that we need to be like, like children. You know, We really need to have that, that, that trust, that faith in God like children. Saying, yeah, this is my Father God who loves me, who is a good Father, who has every intention for the best things for my life. And His way is a good way. So I'm going to trust him when he says, go out in the wilderness. I'm going to trust him when he says, don't eat. I'm going to trust him when he says, I will make a way even though when you look at it, there is no way. And I would challenge you today that when we face temptation, that those things are a challenge of our identity as sons, as daughters of God. It is a challenge on our identity Of are you God's child? Do you trust Him? Do you trust that He created you with desires and He also created answers for those desires? Godly answers. Maybe the timing is not yet. Maybe you need to wait. Maybe there's another option that you didn't even know existed. But you don't need to sacrifice your character. You don't need to take that easy way. You don't need to just give in to this or that. You can trust in Him. And so a child that has such faith in the goodness of the parent, you know, that's our example. That is Jesus, the Son of God, knew who He was. That He was God's Son and that God loved him and would care for him, he was able to trust completely. And I believe it's because of that security in his identity and that trust in Father God that he was able to face those temptations and just say, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't need to go there. I don't need to prove that because I already know it's true. Right? And he showed us that where Son of God Adam failed, In those challenges. That presentation of, hey, it's good. You eat the fruit, you'll be wise like God. You'll be more like God. They were already like God, created in His likeness. Yet the devil put that before them. Hey, it's a good thing. It looks good. Probably tastes good. It's going to give you this thing. You'll be more like God. Doesn't that sound good? It does sound good, right? Except for the part that it goes directly against what God told them to do. Your weekly challenge. This week, if, if you would read Luke 4, 1 through 13, as well as Matthew 4, 1 through 11, and you'll see uh, the same um, you know situation, a little bit, more details and, and different angle. Um, also read Genesis three one through seven. Think about what it would have been like to be tempted in those situations. You know what is the the heart of this temptation? What? How would you feel in those in in that situation? Grow. Identify the type of temptations that you struggle with the most. You know how does this relate to trusting God? If it's areas of anger, of money. Uh, you know, sexual temptation, if it's like food, if it's, uh, you know, being lazy, you know, whatever the thing is that's kind of tempting you that you often face, think about how does that relate to trusting God, to your identity as his child? And how do you think Jesus would respond in that situation to that temptation, right? We used to say WWJD, right? (laughs) Overflow, You know, our identity directs our actions. It really does. Your actions have impact beyond yourself. And make a commitment to remind yourself that you are a child of God the next time you feel tempted or tested in your faith. You know, just that little action of just saying, hey, you know what? Because you know when you're being tempted. You know, because in your mind, there's like a battle starts going on. Oh, should I do this? Should I do that? You know, I don't know. Um, You know, in that moment... Make this commitment. Just say, you know what? I'm a child of God. What does that mean for me? What does that mean for me as God's child in my relationship with Him? All right, let's close. Team, you guys can come up. Lord God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the way that, that You speak right to our heart, Lord God. We, we thank You, Jesus, for the example that as a man You showed us face-to-face with the devil, presented with such crafty temptations. You showed us that if we're connected to God, if we are full of His Spirit, then we'll be able to know, we'll be able to discern what is right, what is wrong, what is the root of these desires, these temptations, these challenges that we face. And you showed us that it's possible, it is possible, to withstand temptation and to stand in righteousness. So Lord, today we pray for that strength. We pray for that wisdom. We pray for that knowledge, that understanding, that security in knowing that we are your child. That if we believe in you, if we have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, then we are called son. We are called daughter of God and we can rest in that identity. That you are a good father that cares and loves and will take care of his children. That this life is not the end. That we have all of eternity to look forward to. So Lord, we thank you. We pray that your word would not simply pass through our minds, but that it would be planted firmly in our heart. It would begin to grow and it would spring up. That fruit would come. That we would begin to change from the inside out. For your kingdom, for your glory. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Could we just stand for this uh closing song of worship?